smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, folks. This is one of your hosts, Cliff Schechter. I'm here with that great god, John Aravosis. Hello. Hi. Hey, John. Hello. <laughs> and today, we're lucky enough to actually have one of the more brilliant men uh, when it comes to messaging uh, out there. We, we've got John Neffinger here. Who, if you live in D.C., you know. If you don't live in D.C., you may not, and you know that that would be your shame, of course. Uh, John is what are you, John? John is an author of a fantastic book, compelling people. I would tell you, you want to learn more how to best present yourself to folks. John is a former communications director for the Democratic National Committee. Sure. He is a media trainer extraordinaire. And uh, what else do you do, John? Oh, and just as a aside, I would uh, I would make sure to tell you that John may deny it, but but uh, in uh, the last, only time in my life when I was right wing which is as a, a soccer player for the Horace Mann School. He was playing goalie for Hackley back in high school. Oh, I know I scored on him. He'll deny it now. I, I absolutely will. No no doubt. No doubt. I, I don't. I remember nothing. <laughs> but thank you for being here, John. It's great to be here. It's great to hear here with you guys. So, John and John, are you going to call me Neff, too, Cliff? Oh, wow. Oh, I'll call you Neff. Oh, yeah, I'll All call right. you Neff. Oh, that's okay. a good so we got Neff here. We've got Aravosis there, and Aravosis has a quick ad for us to do. He does. Right. We get back into our sexy podcast, and then we will have a messaging discussion with John about COVID, Black Lives Matter, the election. But since he's a messaging expert, with all of that, with a focusing towards Democratic messaging. But first, Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks has a limited time Father's Day offer that Dad is sure to love, and I want to throw in that I think Mom would love it too. When you go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code LIBERAL in the search bar and save 55%. For $79.99, your summer sizzle pack for Dad and Mom will include four naturally lean top sirloin steaks, hand-carved and aged 21 days for tenderness and flavor, four boneless chicken breasts, four gourmet jumbo franks and kielbasa sausages, a package of all-beef meatballs, four perfectly brown potatoes out gratin. So four- hungry. I couldn't. I was laughing the other day when I read this because it's way longer than I remember. Four caramel apple tartlets and an Omaha steak signature seasoning packet. Dad will get all this delicious food and mom, plus a free pound of steak cut bacon. This amazing gift is ready to be shipped straight to your parents' door in time for Father's Day for seventy nine ninety nine. These packages come flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and delivered in a cooler with dry ice safely to their door. All backed by Omaha Steaks' unconditional 100% money-back guarantee. It's a simple, delicious way to treat mom and dad this Father's Day. Don't wait, or dad and dad, or mom and mom. Um, trying to be <laughs> inclusive, since I'm the gay Very one. <laughs> and we just won big in the Supreme Court. <laughs> Gotta be inclusive. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, well, really if you're not a mom or dad, you can eat steak, too. You can eat steak, too. <laughs> uh, don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com and type the code LIBERAL in the search bar to order the Summer Sizzle Pack for Father's Day today. That's omahasteaks.com and type LIBERAL in the search bar. You know what I realized, guys? I was trying to be like, not ecumenical, what's the word? I was trying to be like woke and make sure I didn't just mention dad. Uh, oh, not, not just mentioned dad. So I was mentioning mom too. And it hit uh, me halfway through. I was being like totally heterosexist or whatever you call it. I'm not saying well, they're trying to do it for Father's Day, but it's a good thing. Like fathers yeah, yeah, yeah. Fathers, come in all, fathers yeah, exactly. could be two dads. Fathers yeah. come in all shapes yeah. and forms these days. And we should, yeah, uh, I agree. But even I was assuming mom and dads. I'm going to have to like go meditate this afternoon. Jeez, I'm going to send you back to re education. I know the bad gay, the bad gay. <laughs> 
but anyway, so John, the other point I want to raise, and normally yeah. people don't like raising these points, but because she's so fabulous, we will. Uh, you are Elise Hope, which I didn't even realize. Are you? You guys are partners or spouses or something? We are. We are all of that. We actually just. Had I had no idea last night. We went for a COVID picnic. Ah. It was great. Yep. Mm -hmm. out, what does that mean? Like you each, you each went to a different park? No, we went to the same park. We are oh, okay. in the same bubble. And like, what's a COVID picnic? Uh, it's just like <laughs> you can't go to different restaurants. So you you go in. You, you know, you you wear your full headstone PPE, get okay, your food, yeah. and then try and find a patch of grass somewhere to call you. Get through the plastic sheath over your face. Yes, exactly. We hug through like plastic like uh, like yeah, Star Trek go. with with Spock. I will always remember you or whatever. That's right. Remember, Elise. Remember. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and and uh, important to note, they've got two adorable kids. So, uh, oh wow, we're taking. I haven't seen Elise in years. Jeez. We have talk about heteronormative man. I mean, we've got the anniversary. We've got the birthdays coming up. Yeah, it's all. It's, it's nice. all very all in the family. Right? It's nice. It is nice. It, it is, is nice. Hopefully, it's not very all in the family. Well, no, that's yeah. That's <laughs> it's very all in the family. Right. I hope not. Yeah, racist <laughs> jokes around the living room. <laughs> we ate Jews. We ate blacks. We ate gays. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so easy just to hate, but it's all in fun. I'm just trying to fit in with the sort of, you know, the, the rules of the game out there these days. He's, he wants to be part of the, the, the zeitgeist. So, Cliff, you, uh, you want to talk about the zeitgeist? We yeah. do. Actually, yeah. we do. Cliff, How about do you that? Maybe start since uh, you you had the brilliance of, of of thinking of having John on. You want to start with, uh, I don't know, what topic should we begin with well, that we are looking at the market get ourselves in trouble as far as I hmm. see it, which is. I like having a messaging expert on because, look, John, you know, we all are technically, I guess, minorities of sorts. Mm. <laughs> John of Erebosis is gay. Cliff mm. Schechter is technically Jewish, although I don't think most temples would recognize Okay, now do me. And, and yeah, do that, no, yeah. no, hold on, we're getting you. We're getting you. But, uh, and, and, and I was going to mention the third one, who's my business partner in the, my media consulting business, Greg Canelo, uh -huh. is actually a Cuban immigrant. Oh, okay. Um, None of that protects any of us when we go out and we start talking about messaging what it has to do with various groups of people. They come at us. We're all just white guys at that point. Even Greg Pinello, who's actually technically very much not a white guy, but he's a white guy as far as, as, as he goes. Uh -huh. and, uh, and so now you're I'm, a white guy. I'm you're gonna always get a white guy. Yeah. I, that's just, but yeah. I got to say it. I mean, look, the big thing we've been working with. T-shirt. Except you probably get. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah, probably not <laughs> a good thing. Always a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> you should get that. By the way. But. Okay. But in any case, we, we talk. We, you know, we talk about it. Our big issue has been we are all, I think, very much on the left side of the spectrum. I'm quite sure when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when it comes mm -hmm. to the interactions that we've seen increasingly shocking. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they're sometimes not as shocking, which shocks me that I almost have endured to it, which is really mm -hmm. scary. That there's mm -hmm. so much, you know, abuse uh, heaped on African Americans by the police, the disrespect people are treated with, uh, and. and so the big cause became defunding, I put that in quotes, the police. Now, mm -hmm. John Aravosis and I, mm -hmm. as well as Greg Pinello, who I mentioned, other folks have uh -huh. gone forth on Twitter and said, if your message is something where you have to immediately explain not what you're saying, that <sighs> like, what you're saying is not the words you're using, that yep. makes it a bad message. Um, yeah, and the right. goal of what these people have, I'll just say quickly, of what these folks have, which is to take money away from the militarization of police so they're not driving around in fucking tanks and to yeah. give it to social workers. Because sometimes, like in the case in Atlanta, where, where a gentleman was drunk in his car, for example, having a social worker, having somebody else show up instead of police drawing their guns and mm -hmm. handcuffing him, huh. maybe that de-escalates and prevents the whole thing. So we all want that, but how do you talk about it? 
Mm-hmm. Well, no, your opinion, John Neffinger, and you may get yourself in serious shit for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, I guess, within this crowd, and say, yeah, look, obviously, the words defund and police have meanings, and we all know them. There is a little bit of subtlety, or a little bit of ambiguity, I should say, in defund. There is defund all the way, and there is defund part way. But of course, if you're having to explain mm. what your first two words meant with the next 50 words, exactly. that that raises a little bit of a problem if you're trying to get your message across clearly. I that said, I don't I don't think this is the end of the world. I think defund the police obviously is going to for for less political people, the first thing they're going to think of is wait a second, cops not getting paid, cops aren't going to show up to work. No cops, cops not protecting Uh-oh. me. I mean, yeah, right? right yeah. Exactly. No. Right. Chaos in the streets. Totally. And that is not that is not going to win over you know the middle in your traditional messaging conversation. Not going to win over me. Sure. I, I I mean yeah I I actually I mean whatever I'm a white guy so yeah sure I love cop. Um, no, I I think that said there is something to be said for and we've seen this in in issue after issue after issue having a position that is a and it's not even a, it's not even really the position right and that's why all the explaining is happening it's not that we want to zero out the police and just have god who would step in i don't want to think about it uh, but there is a position that that starts the conversation way on the left and the idea is that now let's let's have a conversation about what what we really want right and so staking out that left position i don't think is a terrible thing to do uh, but if you want me to sit here and and say, yeah, I thought this, you know, this is really strategically planned and it was all, you know, mapped out and focus group. No, of course it wasn't. Of course it well, wasn't. It was a thing that they could say that wasn't kill right. the police. Basically, it wasn't string them all. That would up. be a bad one. That would be a bad message. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but that was, you know, that happened. That happened in the marches, the you know, the right. last wave of marches that we saw the last time there was an absolutely uh, shocking video that came out that some of the, the protesters were, you know, and they'll tell you it was in jest, but it's still, you know, the right. words came out of their mouth and that was fodder for um, for the right wing as well. Okay, let so, me go on. So and it's then an improvement on barbecue the police, right? <laughs> well, yeah, okay, I'll How give you that. that. I okay. mean, here's my question for you, though. As a messaging expert, and I mean yeah. we all are, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you too. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think, but no, but I mean, I think the three of us really bring a lot of experience to this, and it's something yes. I have a bit of a quandary with. Uh-huh. How do you draw the line? And, and what I mean is, what you are talking about to some degree, which we've talked about on the show, is expanding the Overton window by I taking. Am, although I call it to a degree spectrum because what do you uh, call it? Back, I used to call it the Sanders spectrum because that's kind of what Bernie was doing. Oh, excellent! Good point. Debate, long time before he was You're running right. for any higher, 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 You're higher right. office. And Overton's kind of a jerk. So anyway, there you go. No, you know what? That's a good point, actually, because I think I think everybody, whether you were a Sanders supporter or not in the primaries, yep. Yep. you appreciate the. Con- I mean, I certainly appreciate. I think it's true that Sanders helped sort of expand and enlarge in the debate mm-hmm. and push us more to the margins on healthcare and other issues yeah. and right. And sort of brought the whole party. That way. Was, that's what I actually right, thought right? he was playing a great role. Go ahead, right. John, just say but, but here's my question though, I guess. Okay. I, I appreciate the concept that sometimes we should overstretch. We should mm-hmm. ask for more than we want. Maybe we should often ask for more than we want, but mm-hmm. I also appreciate that sometimes you ask for so much that is, or let me rephrase this. You ask for something in a way that is mm-hmm. so easily frameable by the bad guys 
as in other words, the Republicans can frame it so easily as something horrific mm -hmm. that you've shot yourself in the foot and they're going to get us. And it's not just fear of Republicans. It's mm -hmm. it's um, like I said, defund the police reminds me of defund ICE. The only reason defund yeah, ICE, oh, defund, yeah. by the Abolish. way, defund ICE didn't buy, didn't bite us in Abolish the end. Ice. Because, because, yeah, that was that was less ambiguous. You know why it didn't hurt us in the polls? Because nobody knows what the fuck ICE is. I had to look it up. I was like immigration. <laughs> I was like, did, did they change the name of the agency? Immigration, right? Ice, Abolish yeah, ICE doesn't right. mean anything. Whereas defund the police. Uh -huh. Anyway, here's my, my question for you: Is how do you? As a messaging guy, how do you know when you've gone too far and handed the right something good against us versus you've gone far enough to really expand that window, even if we know it's something we can't get? I mean, that is the question. That's that is the fundamental question. When have you pushed too far? Um, but there's also a when have you not pushed far enough? We all yes. saw this guy die. We all saw the repeated pleading and the begging and the what and. And then he was no more. And now we know his brother and his daughter, not personally, but we've all seen them now. And, and so they're not asking for, they're not asking for the, in fact, that was, I saw that shirt down, uh, down on 16th street next to the white house. Not long ago, they're like, just be glad we're not asking for revenge basically. Right. Um, equality, not revenge. And, and so I think this is a moment where polls do show that there is a lot of sympathy for protesters because we, like I said, we all saw it. And people think that people are in the streets for the right reasons, you know, broken windows and Antifa narratives notwithstanding. Um, people are hearing that. And so I, I don't look, I don't think we're going to run on a platform of defunding the police or abolishing ICE or any of that. But I think having that in the conversation as a way to express the, the urgency of the moment without being homicidal about it, right? right. Isn't it, look, we're all talking about it, right? Here's us, us three white guys are talking about this defunding the police thing, right? And yeah, we'd be talking about BLM anyway in this moment, for sure, because of the video, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a whole knock on like, what does that mean? Well, what would it mean to partially defend? Well, well, maybe it's not defund, maybe it's reimagine, or maybe it's reconstitute, or maybe there's right. a better word. And we're trying to figure out what that word is, but we're engaging on this because there's a provocative thing that's been thrown at us. Yeah. And so, I, look, yeah. am I, if, you're getting, if you want me to sign off and say, yes, this was the perfect rhetorical strategy, I ain't going to do that. But am I going to say that it was a total disaster and it will cost the election? I, I mean, look, history may may prove that that is true. It, it wouldn't shock any of us on this phone call if it did. But right. I do, I, I think maybe not. And, and I think I'm not, I'm panicked about other things more than I panicked about that, put it that way. Yeah. Well, let me say this. So I want to separate them out. So to me, um, what you've got is, is you've got messaging, which is separate from however, you know, I don't want to use bad words, radical, I don't, isn't always a bad thing, how far you're pushing on message, mm -hmm. you know, on policy. So mm -hmm. for example, Medicare for all is a terrific mm -hmm. message as far as mm -hmm. I'm concerned. Because right? mm -hmm. you're saying everybody should have Medicare. It's this great program. You're building it up. My my issue with with that was whole, totally different. Is that you know my thought always was everybody should have access to Medicare. That's what Medicare yeah. should all, all for all should be. You're not forcing yeah. people off of their health care. So mm -hmm. I had a problem with the specifics of that particular policy, not the the messaging. I thought the messaging was terrific. Yeah. And to me, those two things are separate. The messaging well, when it comes to what we mm -hmm. do with police 
it could mm-hmm. be a radical overhaul. But if you just by using the word defund, yeah. a word that means something very different than what you're saying, so that you have to explain to people exactly what you mean. Because every time people say defund, and, and, you, and I've said that, and people then attack me like, oh, well, we're just talking about how you know, we're going to take funds and move them to social workers and other people and demilitarize. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what you're what saying. You then said, say, yeah. say demilitarize, right? Like yeah. say, say what it is that, right. that, that you know, that conveys right. the message right. that you want to convey. And mm. the, the whole thing is, and I'll say this quickly and then jump mm. back in, John. Yeah. Uh, your neff. Um, <laughs> my, my issue is here. I've got a simple re- lesson or rule when it comes to messaging. If your opponent is only too happy to repeat your exact message, you're doing yeah. it wrong. Probably. Yep. That's my right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I, I feel like it's going to be raggedy and people are going to be out there. And look, somebody said defund the police and somebody said, yeah, I'm going to put that on a sign. And some, but we're all still talking about that as the as the kind of core thing, because there's something. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary and it's riveting and it's and it's all of those mm. things. Um, and yeah, it's gonna maybe not be the most helpful as if we had said, reimagine the police and you put a, you know, a daisy in the eye or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I mean, you're talking about activists moving through the streets. You're not talking about poll tests, whatever. And, and we gotta, we gotta work with it. I, I it's kind of uh, where I'm at. at the I end. mean, sure. I, I guess it's funny because yeah. when you mentioned that, what you're basically saying is it's not as if. You know the, I don't know even know the the five <laughs> leaders of black of the black movement got together and in a secret room yeah. came up with a slogan, which yeah, is frankly, right? well in the in days gone past as a gay man and a gay mm-hmm. activist, I used to yep. always get criticism from my straight friends saying, yeah. "Can't you guys just get rid of the sexually themed stuff from your pride parades?" And I'm like, right? "Do you think we pick it? I mean, do you think like?" Yeah. I That's say, right. hey, you've got assless chaps. I think I'd like you in our parade. Be, be right on this float where it's a little. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm for the show. Uh, or no? no, but I mean, but the thing was, I always it was it, what was funny. I mean, what was funny though was that literally I had straight people telling me as like a gay leader, like, hey, you have influence here, and I'm like, I can't. Like, how what? the hell are we gonna? I mean, the, look at the, let alone the yeah, DC you know pride parade. Thing that you put out or no? Yeah, exa- sorry. <laughs> You better watch. You better watch it. <laughs> I believe freedom. The the buns needed freedom. The buns. Okay. Um, freedom. You know, but it's freedom. but but I mean, there's there's a but there is an aspect to this sometimes of, you know, it's it may be a valid point to raise, but at the same time, it doesn't get you anywhere because we're not uh, dealing yeah. with movements that have a leader who is running everything as an authoritarian and can yeah. say, yes, yeah. here's the message instead. Yeah. Having yeah. said that, having said that, there was significant pushback online on the defund message that. Even I think uh, Congressman Clyburn, I think, was the one who jumped Mm in. Uh, Mm -hmm. John Lewis, maybe. I mean, there were a Mm -hmm. number of important people, uh, uh, black leaders, black political leaders who jumped in and said, yeah, this is not good messaging. Mm -hmm. And I think it did help because then a lot of us were starting to not use that message as much. So actually, the pushback, I think, was effective in this case. That's that's probably fair. And and look, it. I think things would be different. Our messaging worked, with, so to yeah. speak, against our okay, messaging. Okay, there you go. So it's different a little bit if you have Joe Biden at the top of the t- ticket than if you have Bernie Sanders. If you have Bernie Sanders where there is sort of a, a latent fear among 
some, I don't even know, want to characterize who it would be, but some voters are like, uh oh, are we going to, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff about socialism and, and are we going to do really radical stuff and, and I'm not right. going to like it and it's going to end up hurting me. Then I think having people repeating things like abolish ICE and defund the police and whatever has a more sort of clear and present danger to it. If Joe Biden is not going to defund the police, right? Joe right. Biden is not going to send them all home. Oh, and, and Nina Turner and Sunrise got very upset with him, if you saw that. This week. About saying that? Oh God! Actually, here's yeah. a messaging. Here's I mean, a message. But this thing is, Joe Biden did not need to say that. You knew Joe Biden was not there. Well, right? no, but this is also this is yeah. a messaging lesson here. The Washington uh -huh. Post puts out a story last night, and the reporter, mm -hmm. I must follow him or something, tweets it out. Fifty liberal groups publicly challenged Joe Biden in a letter to go further on police issues. His current message is unacceptable, and Black voters will not accept him. I go and I, I decide to pull up the original letter. Okay. I pull up the yep. letter. It's 48 groups I've never heard of all at the state level. You know, Cincinnati, okay. blah, blah, uh -huh. blah, right? I mean, stuff you're going, okay, yeah, on sure. Cincinnati, okay. Well, for example, you know, like NARAL now, any NAACP, nobody, color or change, none of these groups are there. It's right. 48 groups you've never heard of. Uh -huh. Our revolution, Bernie's group run by Nina yeah. Turner, and the Sunrise Movement, which is, mm. you know, the basically – Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez affiliated movement. Uh -huh. They're the only two taking on Biden and saying mm -hmm. black voters will not support you. But, and of course, bullshit because Biden, they said this during the, the primaries too, Biden was having 50 to 60% support in the black community. And people like Cory yeah. Booker were saying, oh, we need a candidate that blacks like. And it was like, Cory, you're at 2%. Biden's yeah. at 60. Right. I think right. we do have one that right. blacks like. Right. Yeah. But, um, on their own and we but can't it, really help well, but it got the it got the Washington Post to do one big news story that they pumped out to everybody claiming yeah. liberal groups upset at Biden when it was frankly I, I don't know if we'd call this astroturf or it's the kind of thing one of us would get paid a lot of money to do say <laughs> let's generate a fake letter that's right. signed by a bunch people of people nobody knows it. two people people knows but they're on the far left so they don't really count. And, you know, they, they didn't like him anyway. And let's convince a yeah. reporter that this is like liberals upset and the post fell for it. Brilliant. Right. Well, they love liberal disarray. When you, if you click through and look at looked at the letter, did it say you must support defunding the police? Oh, I I didn't. It was it was like two or three pages long. I didn't read the yeah. whole thing. At that point, <laughs> so I was more at that point. I was more curious about. Right. Well, no, my right. spidey thinks, sense went off. It? Well, no, my spidey sense went off and I went, why in this article am I not reading about any big name groups that yeah. I know other than the yeah. crazies? Mm -hmm. Like, again, I was thinking NAACP. I'm thinking even big. Then I'm thinking there must be big liberal, non-black, non-people of color groups yeah. who, of course, would join on in, in solidarity. And they're not there either because there weren't even the core people of color groups or – yeah. Uh, I mean, it's look, brilliant. It was brilliant though. It was very well done. Had tips all around. Uh, my my and, issue is that John or John's is that is that I think messaging it's one thing messaging is as as an activist which I've done that on guns and a few other things where I've gone beyond my role as a consultant and really gotten involved as an activist and what you say to people door to door and what you say to organize people to to get people involved to get them psyched up that's that is one thing my problem is again I think which John A was just pointing out is when these groups of folks then go and attack. The only candidates between us and fucking Armageddon mm -hmm. as not being as being insufficiently pure when they're mm -hmm. not using the exact same messaging. You want to use defund when you're going out there, mm -hmm. fine. But, but when it comes to political messaging, yeah. PR messaging, what we're using when we're doing TV ads and when we're talking to suburban moms, when we're talking, frankly, to try to jazz even, you know, I mean, African Americans are actually a more conservative often 
voting block than, than yeah. white liberals give them credit for. We've talked about that on this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in their actual do... policy positions. Well, that's right. Cliff, then... Actually, John, I've got to interrupt you. Yeah. Cliff, we need a quick ad because this ad has to be done in the first part of the show uh-huh. per the advertising gods that be. Um, that and is... we already kind of missed our little deadline. So, Cliff, if you would do Plexiderm really quick. And then, John, we won't have any ads until the very end of this show. Can we eat Plexiderm? Is it tasty like a stick? You're going to find out how dirty You're going to find out. Tell me about Plexiderm. Good question, actually. You know what, Neff? Actually, Zoom meetings with coworkers and clients are great. They're great until you notice the bags under your eyes and deep wrinkles. Yep. Let me tell you, man. Cameras catch everything. Now imagine those wrinkles and your baggy eyes are gone. No risky, expensive surgery. Gone in 10 minutes. It's called Plexiderm. A clinically studied serum, ooh, clinically studied, that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, under eye bags, and all that kind of stuff that makes you look less than sexy. Plexiderm is the solution for Zoom meeting eyes, which is going to become a term now. Zoom eyes. So those of us, like the three of us, should try it. You look 10 years younger, blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you confidence. You'll need to be great on Zoom meetings and FaceTiming with friends, even if you Zoom podcasts, for example. Just thinking yep. out loud here. Yep. You'll, they'll be surprised when they see you this summer. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours. So nobody will know you're using it unless you tell them. Go to tryplexiderm.com. Use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's half off plus an additional $10 off. If you go to tryplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292 and mention the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES. That's VOICES at triplexiderm.com. You know, I'm glad this is a conference call. Well, no, but can I just say this is kind of funny. It it didn't hit me. We've done this ad before, but again, back to messaging. One of the cardinal (laughs) rules of doing television is you've Uh got to have makeup done, and you've got to insist if they're putting you on TV to give you makeup. Oh yeah, because because sometimes they won't at, at like uh, satellite places. Sometimes no. they only have I forget oh, what you okay. call it powder or something. But yeah. but you've got to get something powder a so you don't glisten. But <laughs> but then secondly, you're right about the bags, your skin color, and it's <laughs> funny that in the Zoom era, we don't think about that at all. And frankly, mm-hmm. well, for women it really matters. So women, I suspect, do think about it anyway. A lot of women, mm-hmm. right? Because they're used to thinking about makeup. Guys are not. But for guys, it's actually kind of funny because I hadn't thought about that. Like I actually have lighting that I'll try to use when I do the Zoom or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to, to make the lighting a little better, whatever. Yep. But anyway, there you go. Who knew Plexiderm was actually something that <laughs> got me thinking. I was thinking this was for women, actually. And then I started thinking that's not really true if you actually do a lot of TV and you're doing yep. Zooms all the time. Absolutely. No, you got to do the makeup. Nixon learned that for all of us the hard way. And I, I'm now yep. learning about the warmth of light. I guess that's not really a new yes. thing for a lot of people, oh, but I'm using warmer light yeah, for all that. But same you do this, oh. I mean, as, and that's the thing about folks is that, that they do. I'll yeah. do my free advertisement for John Neffinger, who uh-huh. is a, a media trainer to literally, I mean, presidential candidates, certainly. Yep. President yep. John, I believe you have been senators. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this guy trains them for debates and trains them for speeches and trains them for tra- what else? TV appearances and, and the rest. So, you know, this, this stuff don't for me. Do you have a lot of those people listening? That's good. That's but good. you never yeah, know. But, no, but look at but look at our Zoom videos and you'll see that my face is a tad more orange lighting. It's because I've got the my filter has like a warm light filter to throw more light on my face that actually just looks a little warmer. And it's it's but it also fills in the dark side because otherwise, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like again, if, if you or the listeners know because they've been watching these things, you'll see the side facing the the um the window it gets blown out with light, and then the other side just goes black. 
So like that you get these kind of problems, you use fill in light to fill in the other side. There's a lot of, for the media training side of this, there's a lot of things to think of. And I've been, I've even wanting to email some of my friends that are a little more famous than us because they go on TV, like David from, David goes on TV and I, I meant to email him the other day and go, you need a light. You can't just keep doing this in your living room with a lamp in front of you. You're too famous. You've got 900,000 right. Twitter followers. You need to buy a light. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's a, you know, it's, it's a solid point. I mean, all that stuff is yeah. such an important part of it. So uh, yeah, I'm not so even kidding. I, I, may, I may, because I do TV still sometimes remotely, and uh-huh. obviously we do video for these podcasts. I may, I think I'm going to try Plexiderm, and I'm not even well, kidding. Cliff, Cliff, I noticed my ba- Cliff, I noticed my bags yesterday in the podcast, which is funny when you were reading it, because I thought I was like, yeah, I did, I did, I did one uh, interviewing a law professor about the gay rights, uh, the LGBT decision yesterday from the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And, but I noticed later I'm watching it, I'm like, God, I look tired. It was the funniest thing. <laughs> you know, John, I thought you'd find this interesting. Uh, I mean, Neffinger, you will too. But uh, this literally came up a couple of days ago. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, like any dad, I'm incredibly proud of my kids. But my guys are smart guys and they know about politics because my wife and I can't shut up about it and the rest. Right. And it came up. This was literally maybe four or five days ago. I'm not kidding. I think, you uh-huh. know, maybe the weekend about how you could still be fired for being gay or lesbian, trans, you wow. know, and, and, wow. and my son, Doug, who's, you know, Dougie is 13. Right. He was in shock. He was like, yeah, what? And I'm like, yeah, we were like, yeah, the civil rights act does not, it, you know, is not extended. And a people lot of never states, real, yeah. people never realized that. Have passed, have passed yeah. laws, California, New York, other big ones, hopefully, yeah. you know, cities too. Hopefully, have, have passed, you know, friendly one, you know, that protect people. And then this, this decision happened. So we were, it was almost like we were already talking about it. And we were able to share that with them, which is yeah. pretty cool. They don't get it, man. I watched, I mean, I've told you this before. I watched The Flash with them, and there's literally like almost no couples that are like, that are just two white people. It's all oh, like, it's straight white people. It's, 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 it's <laughs> gay. It's, there's a trans character in the universe. I mean, I love it because they're growing yeah. up in a completely different atmosphere where all of that is, you know, like they know somebody in their grade who's a lesbian. It's like, oh, she's a lesbian. Yeah, they, what are <laughs> straight people? Right. Well, <laughs> that would be hilarious. But well, son. Now, now you're like one of these right wingers predicting a future where the gays will take over. <laughs> that's like the planet of the apes for the gays. Oh, that's uh, right. No, yeah, like, <laughs> but I love that just the statue to so straight good. couples is the statue to straight white couples is buried in the sand up to its shoulders. Ah! <laughs> oh, God damn you. You finally get it. Damn you, you old the gays take over. I mean, but. My son is totally like, you know, he's got a, he's one of his crew and she's out lesbian. She was in the seventh grade and, and he doesn't think twice about it. I love it. I mean, again, you come from, you know, all of us being Gen Xers, like different world. But in any case, we get yeah. back to mm-hmm. it. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So messaging well, is yeah. where we were. Well, we, yeah, I think we we spent a lot of time on Black Lives Matter. Uh, I, I would say let's do a little on COVID and then let's just get more into the election. Yeah, sounds right. You know, sounds right. And those are I mean, related, maybe. Well, maybe. Well, I mean, John, why don't you uh, neffing? I guess when I say yeah, John, right, of course yeah. it means you. Um, <laughs> well, why don't you jump in on that? I mean, on COVID, and, <laughs> and, I, and I, oh, you know what? Let, let me step back a second. Yeah. I think some people, and I often have this fight on Twitter. I even had a little public disagreement with, if you can call it that, with uh, Elon Omar, though she didn't respond. So maybe uh-huh. it was just maybe it was just me venting. Hard to yeah, say. Um. But she was talking about the defund thing and kind of made a funny comment about messaging, basically saying, oh, people told me my message was too extreme and now I'm sitting in Congress. It doesn't matter. And I kind of, you know, politely went back and said, well, actually, messaging does matter. You know, if you will. Re- yes, you got into Congress, but it doesn't mean like, you know, 
my message before wasn't too extreme. So this message isn't too extreme. Isn't necessarily true, but B, you know, in her case, I said, you know, you've had some kind of high profile messaging errors in the past. So you should be the last person that should be saying messaging doesn't matter. But, but I think people tend to think of messaging as I was just going to do my lead in on COVID and say, how's the messaging going? How is it working for Democrats? People almost feel like it's too crass to even think that way. Right. Like, about what are you, we're talking about people election. and you're talking about messaging and how COVID is messaging. Yeah. Who's yeah, winning yeah. the war of messaging. That sounds <laughs> mess. Tell people, is that crass or is it, why is, why does it matter? I know, no, no. I mean, I'm sure there are ways to be crass, but it, thinking about that is absolutely important. And, and it, frankly, it's important to public health. If you really need to ground it in something that feels a little less mm-hmm. crass than politics, which at this point kind of, you know, if we reelect Trump, that's that's not a, 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 refuse to think about that right can't have it it's kind of everything that matters hinges on this so right. so no it is definitely not crass but even just for public health stuff the way we do or don't talk about covid as more or less of a threat affects how we do everything throughout our days these days right and and whether it's whether you wear a mask or not or whether you choose to go here or there all of these things and we are we are finding we and we see it in ourselves too we know that we're having this quarantine fatigue Right. And even the most sort of rational and uh, sort of proud of of uh, how thoughtful they are, people I know are feeling this and are tempted to do things that, oh, you know, some of it fine. You can explain through harm reduction. And we know more about how the uh, virus is transmitted now. And so you can make some adjustments. Okay, that's fine. But they're also just doing some dumb stuff and they're taking some risks that they weren't taking a few months ago because we get used to this. Human beings get used Mm -hmm. to stuff. And so we're used to the idea that there's a virus, but we're not totally used to the idea that we're stuck in our houses because we like all that stuff mm. we used to do. So, so yeah, all of that definitely matters. And we've got, I mean, can just we've got what is it, 120,000 dead Americans at this point? Close, that we know yeah, of and yeah, probably yeah. more. As I keep sort of um, saying on, on, on Twitter, which yeah. frustrates the hell out of me, I've now tweeted this out three times because yeah. I don't care. I'm not giving up. Yeah. It's incredible. We literally just passed the number of dead from World War One dead Americans. Like the number we're, we're now the, the both those numbers are at the 117,000 level. We're yeah. now at 118. I mean, the other note, they were both there when I started tweeting this and I'm in shock. I'm like, you know, world war one, like, we spent a lot of time on that in history yep. classes. That's a pretty, yep. that was a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam probably, right. The fourth most prominent American war, probably after the, you know, the civil war, the revolution and world war two. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't believe that no, the news folks aren't, sharing that but in any case that's my little yeah i'm frustrated yeah Yeah. and so i do think it comes back in one way or the other and clearly trump wants to own he he is he is doing a two he is he's a two-part strategy one (laughs) if you want to call it a strategy his team let's say has a two-part strategy one is trump is going to trump and he is going to pull all this crap and he's sometimes it's going to work for him to create chaos and make people feel that you know, the world is destabilized and he kind of still resembles a strong, tough, masculine leader. And so that increases his appeal in chaotic times. And so he's got that going. But then, of course, he pisses off the military and they sort of brush him back and all this. So, But he's going to do that thing that he's going to do because that's just who he is. Their strategy was this recent ad that we saw, the comeback. America's comeback is now underway, uh, 30-second ad. And it's basically, I, it, it, it's interesting because it takes 
make America great again. And it rehabs it, right? Because he's the incumbent now. So he was going to pivot. Remember, he was pivoting right. to keep America great because like, all right, I already made it great. But the virus is his all-purpose excuse. Yep. Um, nobody could have seen it coming. What are you going to do? I didn't see. You, did you see it coming? No, you didn't see it coming. Forget all the fact that I have teams and staffs of experts telling me. No, ah, ah, different meetings and warnings and yeah, memos and yeah, whatever. Right. Um, but because we're now in this hole, he is going to make America great, comma again, because he did it once, and the fact that. He was able to get to a point where he could be bragging about the economy without everybody just on its face finding that false. Then that's the proof point that he's the guy to bring us back right now. And so his what his actual message to the middle, the people that he needs to keep him in office and out of jail, mm -hmm. is that he is the guy to rebuild the economy after all of this. And right. his team is making that case for. I mean, he makes it too because he brags about everything. But but that is the case. That they're going to be making part of that seems to be that they they just want to own being the party that wants to get people back to work and so they are going to cut off unemployment they're not going to do a second stimulus they are going to instead offer a back to work bonus even right. though there are four people looking for every open job so that's a little messed up but okay they just want to be identified as the party that wants to get people working again so that they can own that economic argument and just say, well, these guys are most focused on rehabbing the economy, so we should put them in charge of it, as opposed to you know whatever argument Biden ends up making. And there's a bunch of different arguments that he can make. One of the issues with that, though, is if these are the guys who are pushing everybody back out the door, when we're starting to see spikes, not spikes, but growth um, in COVID cases in places right. we didn't see them before, not in Manhattan, not in Brooklyn. Um, and more and more people start to know somebody who's caught this thing and been laid right. out for a while or died, or they know somebody who actually passed it to their or grandparents. Like a thousand plant workers in South Dakota or Indiana, <laughs> or, you know, these kinds of that things. And, and you, when you realize what the, you know, Florida right now, every day is breaking records for the highest number of cases mm -hmm. in one day yep. in any yep. state, mm -hmm. anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is like, we already know the science on this. You know, mm -hmm. outdoors is better than indoors. Mask is better than no mask. Yeah. Um, you know, eight feet is better than four feet, whatever. <laughs> but you've got these people who are lining up to go to events yeah. uh, or line, that are inside, particularly church. Where We also know that when you sing or when you laugh or when you, yep. you know, yell, you're Talk more likely to create here. spittle droplets that are shared. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so it's sort of like, what's the dumbest thing you could do? Hey, let's go to a mega church. You know, of a thousand people that's completely indoors, not where stuff sit right next to each other in the pews. I mean, this is the kind of crap that's going on in Florida and Texas and Georgia and, you know, Arkansas and Iowa. And, I mean, th there's a reason these places are exploding. It's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for the folks who are who have lost the jobs and they need to be the ones who are going to get back out there. Right. It's it's often blue collar workers. Right. It's uh, you know, it's essential workers in some cases. But even the essential workers who work through all of this, you have other people who now their entire industry doesn't exist anymore. And so now they're moving into that space, becoming essential workers um, and and working in those kind of jobs. Those are the people who are going to be most exposed, most on the front lines. And so for them, those are also the folks who are Trump's swing voters who are and who are who put Trump over the top in the blue wall state the last time. And that is a very big deal. In fact, I, I mean, the bad news that I will share with you uh, just from some of the internal calls and, and whatever the bad, news lately, the bad news is that the polls aren't right this time either, that, yes, hmm. Biden is doing better. 
than Hillary was. And yes, there's all kinds of reasons to think that the kinds of stuff that they stuck to Hillary, they won't succeed in sticking to Biden. Um, but the polls are closer than these double digit um, reading, you know, reports right. that we're seeing. When Tony, you, the when, one that just came out of the Detroit Free Press showing Biden up by 16 is too much. I, I think that's probably a little too too I much. Saw their best I saw other Silver get, was questioning it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know what you're saying. Get into a whole, just, like, I think so too. Yeah, I, I but, think it's it's back to where before 2016. I think Biden likely has a seven to eight point advantage in Michigan. I think 16 sounds a little too, that, and that yeah, could I, well be true. One the the methodological issue that I'm hoping becomes famous enough that people actually adjust it because. Frankly, if you remember 2016, which I usually choose not to do, but part of the reason with the part of the issue with the polls being wrong was that it changed the behavior of everybody in the ecosystem. The me the media behaved especially irresponsibly because they thought that's right. right. It changed what Hillary's campaign did. It changed the way the media reported the whole thing because Hillary was gonna win, so we could have fun with it. Um, no, uh, uh, uh. anyway, the, but the big issue is the weighting by education. That when you take, if you if you call, you know, uh, what's supposed should be a random sample of a whole bunch of people, and you get that sixteen point uh, lead, let's just say, or you get a sixteen point lead. I'm not criticizing the methodology of any one thing. I don't know about that, but if you then look at, okay, we know the demographics of everybody we talked to, and we know that we got fewer, uh, let's say, high school educated white guys than we than we are expecting will vote. If you weight it. You take, okay, so all the high school educated white guys, here's, here was the way they responded. I'm going to weight that according to how many of them we think are going to vote relative to everybody else. And that, when you do that maneuver right there, that one little statistical adjustment, you go from double digits at least into single digits. So anyway, and I've heard this before, is that mm -hmm. kind of like the Bradley effect, which some people may know it named after yeah, the former mayor where people would lie and tell pollsters that they were not because they didn't want us to be seen as racist, that they would be willing to vote for somebody black. We talked a lot about this back in 2008 yeah. during mm -hmm. Obama's run of the mm -hmm. Was there going to be a Bradley fight? The other mm -hmm. thing is, and this isn't shocking, is that people lie about their education level. Mm -hmm. So they're ashamed of the fact that they didn't graduate from high school. They're ashamed well, of the fact that they didn't go to college or yeah. didn't graduate. So they often tell you they graduated from college. They didn't. And if they're a college graduate, you're oh. looking at them differently demographically than if they're not. Huh? That's what's behind some of this. I know the calls that John's been on because I've been on some of them too. Where we've been discussing yeah. yeah. secret yeah. cabal, everyone. It's uh -huh. the Bilderbergers, the Jews, and the Masons, and it's Austin. mostly a bunch of nerdy quantitative people who spend too much time with spreadsheets. And God bless them for doing it. So, yeah. well, I would say this quickly while we're talking about polls mm -hmm. is that and I think you're you're correct because they're probably talking about some of the state polls. I mean, I think at the end there they had. Hillary up three was the last one in Michigan, and mm -hmm. she lost by less than a point. I mean, she lost by like a quarter point, mm -hmm. but still, that means the poll was three points off, right? Mm -hmm. Margin I of error. Say two things. Ooh, I'm sorry. Margin of error, though. The yeah, exactly. a lot of them, I think. Right? Say two things. One, they have huge margins three, of error. Three to polls. six points off is you know it, the polls we're seeing right now. And again, okay, so let me change. Uh, uh, let me change this addendum. Three things that are important. One. These polls are all a snapshot in time. And if, if Biden craters in a month or two or something, God help us, elevates Trump, everything we're looking at right now changes. That's the first thing that's worth keeping in mind. Mm -hmm. Polls yeah. are snapshots in time. Second thing that we're, you know, I would say, though, is that they can be off three to five points or whatever. So I don't feel good. For example, a poll just came out, PPP, who I think is one of the best pollsters, that mm -hmm. shows Biden up 48 to 46 in Georgia. 
Now that's in line with a whole number of other Georgia polls that have shown it anywhere from Trump up one or two to Biden up one or two. More recently, there have been more that have shown Biden up. But I'm not comfortable with that because I do believe that there could be a three to five point error, and that worries me. But if everything stays the same, I'm not worried. I mean, again, it has to stay the same. I don't think Michigan, they're going to be off by 15 points. They may be off by five. I agree. Whatever, but if, yeah. if if he's got a fourteen, legitimately, we're showing polls that happened with the twelve and fifteen point leads. The last two, mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good. If everybody gets out there and does their thing, we're going to win Michigan. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's some states. Yes, it's the close states. Totally. Right, it's the close states. You got to worry about if it's within five points. I'm nervous. Final thing I'll say is the national polls actually did nail it. Everybody's like, you know, people often yeah. will be like, the That's national right. polls got it wrong. They didn't. They had Hillary up 2.5 points at the end, or three points. She won by that. And the problem that's why is you need the state polls because right. the national polls don't do the electoral college math. That's right. That's right. So all those are all those factors are worth keeping in mind. Never assume that what we're polling right now is what it's going to be polling a week from now. We didn't know black the, the that Black Lives Matter was going to come to the forefront the way it did as recently as three weeks ago. We didn't know COVID mm-hmm. as recently as three months ago. So I mean, you know, times change. I would say also. State polls, you know, you should be wary within five points, I think, because the margin then starts scaring me, yeah. you know. And then the third thing, as I would say, national polls that get larger samples have been better at, at mm-hmm. predicting. Of course, you do need to worry about the Electoral College. All, all That's this I'm done. And so if you go back to the virus and the election, we don't know how it's going to play out when things are reopening more. I mean, we kind of do because the scientists have kind of told us that. But in terms of the conversation about it, we are now, just like you're saying, we're not talking about the World War One milestone. We're, we're losing 1,000 people a day, right? So what is that? Oh, you know, that's 365 annually. Um, that's a lot of people. That's really, really a lot of people that we're losing, and we're now comfortable with that baseline. We'll be over two hundred thousand by October first. That's yeah, two hundred thousand. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm just and, pointing out, sad. I don't want that. Obviously, I don't yep. root for anything just to get somebody unelected. It's horrible, but it's true at the same time. It's yep, going to be part of the landscape. And so, ultimately, look, there's going to be messaging. We're going to do it better or worse. I, and frankly, I think it's it's kind of a, a measure of the power of messaging that we're not talking about so many dead people here because where our heads live is in this world of narrative. And so we're now all talking about defund the police and we're talking about uh, reopening the economy and we're talking about this other stuff. And, and that's the backdrop. And that backdrop, Trump is crossing his fingers. He doesn't get held accountable for it. And in fact, if anything, it lets him say, hey, remember how great I did back in the economy, back in the day? I'm the guy to do that again. So, yeah, we have a messaging challenge ahead of us. I, I hope those polls just stay where they are and they're perfectly right and we're all good. But I, I don't think this one is in the bag. I just don't. No, I mean, we should never think it's in the bag. I, yeah. I agree with you. Well, we learned that I don't one. even care. Even if, even if it's an accurate polling that, that they're doing nationally. Yeah. Even if the polls recently are accurate and they're showing him, I think mm-hmm. the lowest I've seen recently is eight point national lead for Biden. And mm-hmm. I've seen it as high as 12 or 13. You know mm-hmm. what? Even if that's 100 percent accurate, again, all the rules we said apply. You still mm-hmm. you know, you got every vote matters. The electoral college is still what's going to determine this thing is what does determine it. Uh, you know, we still have to worry about anything. Any, you know, I mean, not you know, this year may seem like 
you know, with murder hornets only fifth on the list, it may seem like we've had a hell of a year already. <laughs> but anything can happen, and God yep. knows it will. So yep. that's yep. worth keeping. I mean, right now we're not voting; we're voting in five months. So uh, hopefully, you don't wait till November. Vote in October, please, please, please. That's a good point. Yeah, and I'll say though, while we're talking about electoral type politics, Uh um, that same poll just worth mentioning that has uh, Biden up forty eight forty six. The PPP Mm -hmm. poll in Georgia has the recent winner of the primary. I believe he's won outright. John Ossoff did he get over fifty percent? He in that I I thought I read he won the other day. Yeah, so he he, they've got him up against Purdue, the incumbent forty five forty four. Really? Which I got to tell you, folks, again, if that's anything close to accurate, wow. you know, um, that, that's the worst chance of the two races in Georgia. The open seat, because Johnny Isaacson retired early because mm-hmm. of health issues, that's mm-hmm. our better chance because they don't have an incumbent there. Well, they mm-hmm. do, I guess. They appointed Kelly Loeffler, who yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this poll has a 28% approval rating. Um, uh, I guess that's what happens when you sell stocks and don't tell people their lives are in danger. Yeah, how about um, that? about that yeah, she's a wonderful wonderful human being but but the fact that they, that they might have to try to defend the ossoff race or the purdue race which maybe is eighth or ninth on our list of pickup opportunities mm-hmm. you know that, that again never feel too good but at least as of this moment we're we're in a bad place let's put it that yeah i mean if we could maybe get through with the i mean yeah the upside you can imagine it you can taste it and there's be a ton of work to be done um but yeah, yeah. I mean, it it just the the stark difference between the upside and the downside in this election is is just dizzying to contemplate. What do you th- why what's working? What's working? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what's working. So, I mentioned the Trump ad that's working for him. That's talking about the economic comeback. And it's I mean, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's cheesy and um and got like jets flying over the Lincoln Memorial. Thank you. That's paid for with our tax what a dollars. surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, but it talks about you know he's the guy and he's going to bring us all back. The thing that's working for Biden. There's a great ad um, that was made for Biden lately uh, that tested very well too. Um, and, and in fact, there are a bunch of them that are testing well. One that uh, sticks in my head is one that's uh, basically just a speech that he mm-hmm. gave, um, and it's like a, it's a, like an illustrated manuscript if you think about it, monastic times, and it's it's got a video kind of gloss with him speaking in the background and and it's got pictures of, you know, what's going on in the streets and it's got pictures of folks dealing with, you know, their, their workplace hard times, all of these kinds of things brought to life. But it's this idea that this job, he, he talks about how the job is something that's hard and he's going to make mistakes, but he's never going to be using, pulling the kind of stuff that Trump does. Right. right. And he doesn't even say Trump's name. He just says that he's going to be trying to unify us as a country. And people, there is a yearning for that. There really is fatigue with this guy. Um, and and it really resonated well. It's got the phrase build, I forget if it's build America or build the future, right. the little economic resonance. There is a great case to be made for Joe Biden that we have just barely seen the beginning of yet. What, and, what's the soundbite yeah. for what Biden's doing? Look, I've... Mm-hmm. I, I kept saying throughout the primaries and Cliff, I suspect you probably were, you had to be on board with this too, that I was surprised more of the primary folks weren't saying, you know, can't we just return to normal? Like just a return to normalcy, right? Although granted they were competing against each other on the left. So they needed more than that. They needed proposals. I get yeah. it. But yeah. 
But one thing that has worried me with Biden is people have asked me and I said, you know, you're right with Hillary. Boy, I know you guys get pissed, not you, but the listeners. Everybody gets pissed whenever we criticize Hillary. Look, every single one of us here is a huge Hillary fan. (laughs) I'm going to speak for John, even if he's not. Um, Yeah, I am. I mean, huge Hillary fan. That doesn't mean she did everything perfectly. And one thing that worried me in 2016 is I had a reporter ask me off the record and said, you know, you know what Trump stands for? Can you name two or three things Hillary stands for? And I was like, uh, she's got an education plan. Um, I couldn't, whereas Trump, we all knew you could do, we, we'll stop repeating it. We all know what Trump stands for, right? All the, you know, build the wall, ban the Muslims. This time it's bring the economy back, yep. whatever. Yeah. With Biden, I don't know what he stands for in that sense. Mm-hmm. Although the maturity thing, if he had a good slogan that mm-hmm. basically said just, you know, I'm old, I'm white, and you can trust uh-huh. me. No, yeah, isn't it, isn't it kind of ironic though? Because that, in a way, is what he's doing. I don't want to it's piss true. off the Biden people, but it's vote for the old white guy that you know you can trust, not the old white guy who's crazy. You know, yeah. the uh, way old I, white guys yeah. used to be, <laughs> which of <laughs> course isn't nice true. One. I get, and I get that like. that isn't. I mean, that isn't true, of course, because old white guys were some of the worst racists, and we all know that. But but what's his soundbite that encapsulates this return to normalcy? That's a fantastic question. I don't think you know. Is there a what's what's under Biden? Is there actually an actual slogan there and on the bumper stickers? I'm, first of all, that's not that I've really seen good, yet. But, but yeah. I mean, I, you know, I there seem to be a bunch of positive yeah. and negative ones that they're testing out that I've seen a lot in the media that that kind of all get to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that basic sort of yeah. notion of you know normalcy and yeah. you know return to but but. It's, it's I mean, his to home, do a little can I tell you his his home Cliff, real quick though his homepage on his Biden's website says leadership matters. Okay. Okay. The word matters bothers me. Leadership is good, but matters. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't think they've yeah. chosen one. I'm saying you they've. I just you're right. Yeah. Been you're right. I mean, here's thing about Biden though. His basic profile is the right profile, probably especially for this moment. But what we know, and this is a whole Mm. leadership, go read my book. There's a whole bunch of research behind this, is that what we want in a leader is fundamentally two qualities. One, who's tough enough and strong enough and competent enough to get stuff done, Mm. but is also on our side and and isn't a tyrant, right? right? So you want the strength on the one side and the warmth on the other side. The thing that we really know is, especially in contrast to Trump, this is one of the warmest guys in in some ways ever to run for high office, right? Um, him being an old white guy embodies a, an authority and an institutionalism, which is one kind of strength, which balances that out very nicely. You said it much more nicely than I did. That That's what I was trying to get at was <laughs> I mean, I he's, he's an old white guy, but I mean, you are too, no, but quite seriously, that was a much better way of saying what I was getting at, which is even though on the left, we sometimes think these are negatives. The idea mm-hmm. of being a stable old grandpa white guy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you go, oh, my God, at least I trust Daddy, this guy's going to do. Even though I right. know it's the old way we did things, at least it kind of mm-hmm. works yeah. versus the current lunatic. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I tell you book, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Tell Don say this because because you have to hear this. Uh, we all do, really, but you especially as, you, huh. as an activist on this issue. Oh, uh, I know Trump, Trump. Trump during his thing today, his little speech uh, mentioned he, he thanked the the doctors out there for the AIDS vaccine. Oh, you know, the non-existent. Yes, for thirty years <laughs> we only, haven't been able to create an AIDS. Forty years we haven't been able to create an AIDS vaccine. Oh. But hey. Well, God, he's he's going to invent a coronavirus vaccine at some point. Yeah, at some point, liter- 
Right. At that, some point in the fall, likely. he's going to it'll be like yeah. September 15th. He's going to look forward to the vaccine. It's September 16th. He's going to go. And we created the vaccine. Fox will echo him and Breitbart. They'll, they'll just yep. claim that it'll make something supposedly exist. Yeah, it'll be like the final week. So saying, look, it's his final We already know it works. We just got to ramp right. it up. I, yeah, I would. It's going to be like the war with uh, Albania in uh, Wag the Dog. <laughs> if you saw the movie, that's like that's what it's going to be. They're just going to invent it. They're going to create like a theme song for it. The, the, you know, the, the whole damn thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I will say, I it's the. I hate to sort of go here. The vaccine scares the hell out of me for that reason. And God, I hate this because it reminds me of the anti-vaxxers, but I don't uh-huh. trust this guy creating a vaccine. I, I'm really afraid that he's putting pressure on people. You and who knows what pressure he's putting private. Could yeah. you see him telling one of the vaccine companies, hey, we'll slip you an extra billion if you get it done before November well, that's 5th. That's right. They have 500 billion to play with, and right? it's totally unaccountable because he fired all the inspectors general. Yeah. So is there that's a deal to be done there? Probably. Yeah. probably sure there is, but I will also tell you, He's yeah. not creating shit. If we get a vaccine, sadly, it's just the state of this this country and how many we haven't attracted the kinds of scientists we haven't. We, you know, I mean, I would be shocked. Let's put it this way: if we get it's coming from somewhere. Well, but Cliff, else. they're gonna they're they're doing the no correct. What worries me though is we're already seeing. He's pushing them to yeah. cut corners. He's pushing them to accelerate things. Um, I've been. You know, I've been watching Gupta on TV and everybody else on CNN, and they keep talking about how um, even like the third, the phase three or whatever, it's supposed to be huge, much bigger than apparently they're planning. It's supposed to be huge third phase three, how many people you give it to. And it, since normally vaccines take a minimum of four years to to create and stuff, you've got four years to look at those people and see if they develop some freaky cancer or something. Right. You know, we don't actually, I know a guy. Friend of a very good friend of a friend of mine back in the early 1990s, famous NIH study. I forgot what it was for. Maybe it was for hepatitis or something. And mm. they killed everybody. <laughs> I mean, the study, it was apparently incredibly, uh, they did a really, I mean, of course they did a bad job because they killed everybody, but meaning it wasn't just the vaccine was bad. Like they did a horrific job on these people, killed a ton of the patients. It was supposed to be totally safe. Like this shit can go wrong. And I just, I don't know that I'm going to, God, and like I'm one of the people really worried about the virus, but I keep wondering whether I'm going to, you know, want to wait six months to a year to see if anybody right. grows, grows another head or something. Right. right. Before you know, you it's up. like, geez. Yeah. Well, that could be yeah. helpful if you have another head. I mean, if you have got a functioning brain, True. I, think I can you- do the podcast without you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so just a guy from uh, the Phantom Menace, the two headed guy, and I'm saying the, the pod race. Oh, it's pod race podcast. <laughs> see? See what we're headed here? Wow. That was something. Okay. Dude, are Democrats are, are Republicans better at messaging than Democrats? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. It's why? uh, I mean, <laughs> why do you say that, and why is it true? Well, I mean, or why is it the case? I mean, why do you think I it? Say that is just look historically, and when we tend to win the public's hearts and sentiments, it's because the reality on the ground has shifted so dramatically because Republicans are killing large numbers of people or impoverishing large numbers of people, and then people are like, oh yeah, maybe we should try the Democrats. Um, our track record just isn't that great. Yes, we've had successes here and there, uh, but Republicans are more disciplined. They also fundamentally, here's here's the kind of essentialist theory of this. Republicans, I once had a, oh, I love this. I once had a conversation with a guy, old guy, this was years ago, who, who did candidate coaching and whatever uh, for Republicans. And so there was an apolitical person who held dinner party, sat us next to each other, thinking, oh, this would be fun. And it was. And I talked to him a lot. And 
at one point he he asked me he said you really enjoy what you do and i said yeah i'm really lucky to get to to do this and make a living at this right and and he said you really you really feel like you're making the world a better place right and i said you know i'm trying and i i don't know but uh it definitely is part of the reason why i i uh, enjoy and feel really honored to get to do this and i took and i looked at him and i said how about you like yeah how do you think about what it is that you do not being like you know you're evil right i skipped that part and he <laughs> said he said ah, i'm selling soap that's what he said yeah i'm selling soap and it's a job and that because it's a job hmm. like that because the people who are on their side who are doing it right. aren't in it to either save the world or hear themselves talk or educate people about policy because right. we really care so much about governance. They are just looking. In fact, hmm. the one place the Republicans are the party of science and we ain't is when it comes to campaigning and politics, because huh. even though we are getting much better at this, we still fundamentally have this yearning to educate the masses about how policy works and why our ideas are so much smarter than their yeah. ideas. And when people see that, then the scales will fall from their eyes and they will realize right. that we really put, must put Democrats in charge. And yep. that is just not how people make decisions. We've got whole yep. departments at universities across the world telling us that's not how people choose who to vote for. Can I, can, um, and yeah, well, I have an anecdote for you when you're done. Oh, this, go for it. I, yeah. No, no, no. I was I was at a you know big old liberal meeting several years ago, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Uh, 10 or 12, I don't know, uh, a bunch of us basically in the activist movement in D.C., uh, many of them quite well known. And we were discussing, I think it was workplace protection. So like the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, the kind of thing the Supreme Court just decided yesterday and made us all free. So now mm -hmm. gays and, and trans people are protected in the workplace. But we were discussing that and there was some kind of a hearing or something coming up, an ad campaign. I don't know. It was it was the campaign overall. And a bunch mm -hmm. of us were giving free advice. So there's like 15 of us in a room on furniture, on the couch, on the floor, petting the pet, you know, the cat and scheming and <laughs> and the person running the campaign like, for us okay. but i mean it was this very but it was this very sort of cool liberal thing with us on yeah. the couch on the floor you know and it was really fun too it was almost like a salon kind of thing mm -hmm. you know and the guy we were all paying or we'd raise money for to run this little campaign this workplace campaign lots of other issues with him but he told us oh we've just picked the person we want to use sort of as our spokesperson testifying ads everything else is a a black female transgender cop who is discriminated against. And so I raised my hand. I said, Oh, that that's kind of interesting. You know, the cop angle too, but mind you, it's 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Now they wouldn't, now they wouldn't do it. But back then, you know, and I said, I'm curious what, like, what was the thinking that went into like, just that? I mean, why a woman, why black, why transgender, why a cop? What do you mean? Well, no, I said, for example, like, are you, were you, it, does does the race angle help in some particular way? Are you having issues with the black uh, congressional black caucus, for example? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it might help us to win black voters over because maybe they're not as good on the gay thing or the mm -hmm, trans mm -hmm. thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's offensive. I was like, oh fuck! Mind you, folks, you think this stuff's crazy today? This was ten years ago, and I'm like, yeah. oh god, yeah. I think it's offensive. Why we need more diversity? We don't have diverse enough people out there, and we need people on these panels that finally aren't just gay white men. And I'm going. Oh God. And I, and I, I was getting kind of pissed off and I was like, okay, I asked you a messaging strategy question yeah, yeah. and you're lecturing yeah. me about being a gay white bigot. 
I said, you, I would, and I got pissed at, because everyone else was clamming up because, of course, they were already terrified back then. Of respect, and I'm like, I'm not fucking terrified. And I said, you running this thing had better fucking have an answer as to why you picked your witnesses, how they fit in and how they fit into your messaging. Because honestly, I'd never pick a gay white man again if you had you know, uh, numerical proof to me in polling that that message doesn't resonate. But if a gay white man were the ones that won us every vote in Congress we want, then yeah. have the gay white man or never pick him again. I don't care. Yeah. But I'm asking That's you right. why the fuck you, and you're telling me you picked this person because you had some touchy feely notion of mm -hmm. we just don't have witnesses like this enough. So let's do it just because. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That That's is right. Democrats. Whereas Republicans are Republicans would say, I couldn't I believe it. We all do. And yet there are times where you know the situation what, you both know what I mean. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, but imagine getting you and berating me and everyone else shut up in the room and I'm going, oh, my God, all I asked you was what your strategic thinking went into. What, you know, when I worked on ENDA in the 1990s for Kennedy, uh -huh. Senator Kennedy, uh -huh. we literally sat there. We're like, OK, this woman is like a rural. We had like two Southern. I think we had a Southerner who was fabulous, uh -huh. a Southern woman. Yeah. Uh -huh. We had a farmer woman that was fabulous. Like, we had all these different kinds of people. And like on, intentionally, we picked. I think we even had a cop or something. But like it was on purpose. We were thinking, oh yeah, the, the cop thing is kind of cool because it really panders to the law and order thing. Which people in the middle, people in the middle might even feel sorry for us. They'll think they're patriotic. That's the fucking answer. It's not how it, dare you. Okay, so and if, if I may, and maybe just because I'm a messaging guy, hey. it panders to right. If if there is a cop who is saying this thing, it says to people, okay, cops. I get cops. I can relate to cops. Cops are my kind of people, and this is somebody who's my kind of people saying this is cool, so I can be cool with this. There's sort of yeah. an associated yeah. property thing going yeah. on here, and this actually takes us all the way back to your assless chaps moment, which is to say the assless chaps got us all talking about it. Yay! Right? Like <laughs> you didn't just come out of the closet; you came out of the closet wearing assless chaps. So yes, people are going to take notice, and that's good. But then, what what actually? shifted the the calculus there right like how did you get people who were not from that community to say oh yeah i get that it was marriage right it's something that we can relate to and connect to um that we all we can say okay actually well, aids uh, ironically kind of, kind uh -huh. of aids to aids somebody need, i'm sure That's somebody's huge. written the like, book but it ended up being huge because it forced a a ton of people out of the closet like you all of a sudden, you know, you better tell you're going to have right. to tell your family at some point or you're going to die and then they're yep. going to find out. Yep. And it forced people to therefore know gay people, not just AIDS, but then family members and relatives. Right. And That's people right. started seeing the story on TV and they started seeing, mm -hmm. you know, right. gay men on TV that mm -hmm. they went, huh, he seems mm -hmm. normal, even though he's dying. Yeah. You know, it was. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. that too. That's but right. marriage. Well, you get to know find out people you didn't know were gay or gay and you get to know people. You know, and as we're talking about, that changes everything yep. when it comes to. By the to, way, to by the way, I've felt this way on race, and not just race black, but race Latino and other issues for the longest mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. That I think immigration, all the black issues, everything else. There's a there's an absolute factor here of not knowing people. That's right. And oh, let me absolutely. tell you, growing up white, right. even yep. today, Cliff. Right? I mean, I mean, my best the, the best example was. The people that were most scared of, like, Muslims doing another, you know, and oh, this Muslims. is in their words, of Muslims committing yeah. another 9-11 were always the, the smallest towns the furthest from New York <laughs> and Washington. Yeah. And if you think, like, anybody would be scared anywhere, it could be the people right. that, you know, witnessed it. Right. Um, and it wasn't. The, the, the New York and D.C. remained two of the most tolerant right. places yep. and open-minded yep. places, you know? Yep. 
It wasn't New Yorkers complaining about the Ground Zero Mosque. It was, yeah. Was no, else? not at all. Ground Zero um, Mosque. Ah. Yeah. Right. That was, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. that's the thing here. And, I, and that's, I mean, I think that's how uh, you got, you know, interracial marriage, which I know people who are younger listeners won't even get why that's an issue. But believe yeah. it or not, folks, I will even quiz the two Johns. Because this shocked me. And I'll admit first, so you won't feel bad. I did not know the answer and I got this wrong. Hmm. Do you know when, for the first time in public polling, people supporting um, interracial, whatever you want to call it, uh, marriage? I don't know what the, if there's a PC term. When the, the, there was the first time polling showed a majority in favor? Uh, Ten years ago? Maybe. Well, not John, that long. And I thought it would be. I would guess the 90s. Okay, 1998. Really? I'm surprised. Huh. I was shocked by that. I thought it would have been huh. like in the late 80s, huh. early 90s. But I mean, when is Loving Birth Virginia? Sure. That's 67. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was the late 60s. Um, yeah. Yep. So Pat O'Brien sent out a really interesting picture. And I think her mom was Latina. I don't think she was, mm. at, but, that, but the same laws applied. Um, well, and I her dad. I think she's uh, black and Latino. Yeah. Maybe black and her dad is white. And she sent out this picture because it was her. She was born in 66. And she was making, and she said this, and she was making the point that her parents had her, where it was her parents and her as a little baby, that they were in Maryland and that it was illegal at that time for them to be married and have her. That it was not until a year later that it was technically, you know, there was, they weren't enforcing it clearly, but it wasn't technically legal until 67, which was, you know. Kind of yeah, her mom is Afro. Yep. Her mom is Afro. I don't know, but John, you were Neffinger. You were a New York City boy too. Did you grow up in the city? No, no, no. We always thought those city kids were super cool. I was from Rockland County. We were But I was racially. Well, and you started by talking about the fancy prep schools in Westchester County that we went to, right? That's true. I went to public school in Nyack, New York, and I had black friends because I had friends, mm-hmm. and there were black people and white people, and it wasn't a thing. Right. And no, there wasn't for me yeah. either. I was just saying, so I was shocked. Maybe that I was wondering whether that was my upbringing, being brought up in, you know, going to a school in the East Village mm-hmm. that was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Episcopalian, but let's be honest, a very totally liberal different than the suburbs. Let me tell you, boys. which is, which yeah. is, you know, growing up there because I was shocked when I found out that it wasn't until 1998 that the majority favored. I would have thought yeah. it would have been like 1990 or 88 or I yeah. don't know, but yeah. 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 No, I'm yeah, I'm not surprised. I guess I'm more pessimistic on these things, but yeah, not surprised. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, even even well, the idea of loving v. Virginia being in 1967, which again, you know, I was already alive. Uh-uh, um, probably more than you two. Uh, so they kind I of was freaks not, me. But I was I was coming four years later, so you know. But it freaks me out that like even in my lifetime, when I was a little kid, the right. idea that states could outlaw interracial marriage. You right. you want to think of that as being almost adult, ancient right? history? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, then again, the early 60s were, you know, other things too. But it's well, um, also want to put a, a point on that. I often, it does cross huh. my mind. I was watching a series, Hunters, which I don't know if either of you have watched uh, no. with Al Pacino. Uh, a couple and, episodes, actually. Yeah. It's a little bit wacky, a little bit crazy. I'm not it sure is. how I feel about the part of it. I enjoy parts of it. I'm not, but, yeah. you know, I was just watching it's about Nazi hunters in the, in the late 70s, hmm. early 80s. Right. The thing that crossed my mind is because, you know, when they're showing this kid and, and he's older than me, but, Oh, he would have been older than me. He was like 14 or whatever. No, he's 20 at the time. So definitely. But, you know, I was about six years old in 78. And I guess like what I'm making, I was born the last couple of days of, of uh, 71, is that, 
you know, that's 26 years out from when the people like me, if they're born in the wrong place, are being put on a cattle car and taken to a camp. You know what I mean? I mean, that does cross my mind sometimes. Like, you know, what we think of as ancient history ain't that ancient. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yep. saying. Just saying. It's pretty scary shit. Um, when was, uh, what's the, date, the exact date of, um, hmm. why is it not coming to me, John? God, this is embarrassing. Is there exactly guy? what? You know, the bar brawl in, in Greenwich Village. That oh, started Stonewall. Uh, it was, uh, Stonewall, yeah. thank you. What Maybe June 26, Stonewall? 1969-ish. Right, because then we just had the 50 year recently or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah 69, it, it would have been last year, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was to say. So I mean, even that—that's not ancient history either. You know, nope. when you think about yeah. like Bowers, it was almost no gay rights movement at all before that. Oh, I was in law school when Bowers v. Hardwick was decided, which was the de- Supreme Court decision saying that it's okay for states to make gay yep. sex illegal. And I'm like in law school, learning about this, going, I am never going to fucking come out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's weird to live through history yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. very weird. Well, and again, what young then, people don't even appreciate. Sorry? Can explain to people that it can actually get better. You know what? Not only can it get better, Cliff, but this is why I, as a quasi-boomer, because I'm Gen X, but I'm literally... Quasi-what? Quasi-boomer, quasi what? Quasi boomer, I said, because I'm literally between Gen X and uh-huh. boomer. And I probably got many, more, I've got many more Gen X traits in terms of my tech savvy. 65, and everything, but, the break, isn't when they, they complain, isn't it 65? I want to say it's even they, 64 or so, but around then, yeah. Yeah. So when were you born, yeah. John? 60, <laughs> late 63. Oh, so you are, you are technically maybe a barely a boomer. Yeah. Barely a boomer. Um, that, That's my new t-shirt. Um, there you go. But it's, <laughs> but it's interesting because that's why I bristle a lot. This is why I bristle a lot and totally different topic, but you know, and people are still doing it, but this whole thing about millennials and it's kind of interesting. Actually, they're the only group that people seem to still want to defend other than, I mean, people of color or whatever, but the only white group, <laughs> because like all the other groups we've decided to demonize over the last several years, but millennials, but people still keep talking about how, how millennials have, how millennials have Gen X. well, and the Gen Xers are starting to fight back, but how millennials, you know, are the most oppressed and the most this and that. And to me, I just look at it and I'm like, you know, I went to a fucking library and checked and not even checked out a book. Cause I would never dare do that. But I went to a library and read a book in a corner alone. And like, oh. I'd go to the end of the bookshelves. I wouldn't even take it to a desk about, oh. about homosexuality when I was in high school. Cause it was the only place to get information. There was nowhere. And I would literally put, you know, find these books. I'd hide at the end of a book lane so I could throw the book back in the shelf. I wouldn't even dare read it at a desk in case somebody saw me. That's the information I got on about being gay when I was in high school. Like, you know, you know, yeah, the economy sucks. Fair enough. You've had two big economic downturns. But, you know, let's not be all Soviet about this and make, you know, the only thing in life that can hurt you is economics. There's a lot of other shit that can hurt you and set you back <laughs> and send you to an early grave that isn't just economics. Yeah. You know, girl. But, well, it's interesting. This whole economics thing is the thing that we're going to litigate, I think, at least huh. among the people who are going to make the difference between Biden. What do you mean? And, well, because that is that is Trump's play for the middle. He's going to have. Well, ironically, again. yeah. I mean, that's Bernie's play, but it's also Trump's play. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And he's going to be the guy who can make America great, comma, again, because yeah. he is claiming he did it last time. And it's really not clear what people are going to think about that. I mean, mm-hmm. because if you look at what was happening for people, yeah, the unemployment rate was a couple of ticks lower than it was at the end of Obama. It was, it was one tick lower. Yeah, That's and pretty, it was yeah. very steady 
very steady climb down for for the unemployment rate all the way back to the last recession. Yep. And but the stock market looked great, and he would brag about that. And so there's a question about how much his sales talk actually makes people think that oh yeah, it was really great back then. We know people didn't like the tax bill. Uh, really didn't like the tax bill because it was it was you know, and I don't think Trump took full blame for that, but Republicans in general wrote this tax bill that was going to give away as much money as they could, and then some, to their donors and buddies, and not that much. It was kind of confusing, you know, it makes some, moves some stuff around, but it didn't help anybody else that much. And, but did that, is that, I mean, people think he's good on the economy, and people do not trust Biden quite as much yet on the economy. Correct. So, They're still yeah. split. And I even saw, I just Googled it. I even saw a poll the other day where Trump was still ahead on the economy. And I was like, right. and honestly, I fault Democrats because one thing Republicans do, and Cliff and I talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. Republicans, they won't just fucking lie, but whatever their talking point is, they repeat it incessantly. Yes, they do. Whereas yes, they do. I've had clients. Oh, yeah. they'll, they'll attack that. I mean, already I saw a poll today where a majority of Americans think Donald Trump is a racist. Think about that. It was at 52% think he's a racist. And he was losing on issues of racial equality by 30 points in this poll. He was losing on health care by 20 whatever points. He was losing on COVID by less than he should be, but still 10 points or whatever. Right. Well, that's good. So if we're ahead on all of those things, go after him on the economy and take away yeah. the one thing mm-hmm. that that's is right. the only thing where he has any kind of a lead. Well, and I mean, and honestly, like, you don't even have to say it was Obama's economy. You simply say, yeah, Trump got into office. And guess what, folks? Over the last four years, the unemployment rate dropped one point. One percent. That's it. But you literally what, tell people that's it. One percent. <laughs> What's weird about this moment yeah. is that any other presidential election, you were litigating the economy as it exists right now. And right. you were saying, like, well, just look around you and are you better off the, you know, today than four yeah. years or whatever? And instead, we're looking in the rearview mirror now. And this is in part because this is just how the narrative work, has worked. And, yeah, there were a lot of efforts to, you know, hang the virus around Trump's neck and because he was unprepared and willfully ignored it and all of this. And some of that definitely did work. But nevertheless, if the question is moving forward, who is going to rebuild the economy best in a post-virus world? then the point of reference there for Trump isn't now. The point of reference is some imagined, vaguely remembered economy from a year and more ago. And so it's, it's so in that way, it makes the narrative even more important because we don't have the evidence right in front of us. How about that? For profound? <laughs> you can't wow, get you are pretty, Well, we're <laughs> thinking about it. You're actually making us have I'm to think. I'm you think. That's right. It's something you hadn't heard before. Yeah, about I think I, mm-hmm. I have run out of things to ask you. Well, John. it's been an hour and a half, I was going to say, as the hall monitor. So we may oh, have yeah, to, well, not an hour and a half. It's been an hour and 20. So there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm done. If uh, I don't have much we else, are. I think this kind gentleman has answered all of our questions. I, I think so. We still have go. an ad we have to do, but we'll let John go first. So we're not being totally mean to him. Fantastic. Um, I appreciate it. It was quite fun. Say hi to Elise for us. I will do that. We should Mr. do that time, and I'll make sure that she knows uh, that you're expecting. Tell her we still like her, and we know she's busy, but you know she can come yep. on our show. We'd love to yep. have her. All right, that works. That works. Thank you. All right, guys. Good talking right. to you. Bye, John. Take it easy. Take care, buddy. All right, see ya. Bye. Yeah, it's funny. I totally until you mentioned it, I totally forgot he was Elise's husband, or or you know, the relationship with Elise even. But that's funny. Well, I would embarrass him. They're, they're a little uh, DC power couple, the two of them. Like I would call them a DC yeah. progressive power couple. 
They're not like the, you know, the the sipping, you know, yep. uh, brandy at uh, out in yep. Northern Virginia type. I mean, you know, Lisa's the president, national president of NARAL. We both do at least. She's 2013, through. seven years. Yeah, Amazing. You know? And I've known, uh, you know, and I've, I worked with her in her last job before that, which was yeah. – Friends of Democracy Super PAC, the campaign finance stuff. I we worked together right before she yeah. and and John Neffinger. I mean, goes all the way back to he helped Media Matters start the. Oh, the funny. It, 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 they then spun it off, not Media Matters, yeah. the general part, but the part that was the media training part. Where they trained liberal pundits how to go on TV and all, and do like I got invited to one of those a weekend of classes, which was great. Right. And John helped put that program together, and now it's called the Franklin Institute. They kind of helped uh they, they kind of spun it off to for its own thing but he's been you know quietly he's more he's not as out front as as elise is for her job yeah. but you know behind the scenes he's training top voices in the democratic politics how to yep. speak in front of people and all that and so he's he's a great guy brilliant guy too and i would tell everybody you want to, you for your own job whoever you are if you're listening like you know you may have to give a presentation at work on it, whether you've sold more widgets or not, or you may have to like, you know, you may be somebody that works in the nonprofit sector. You may have to talk about this, or you may be in politics. That book, Compelling People, just teaches you how to speak to people. It's, yep. it's a pretty impressive case. So I go. just texted you an ad. Why don't you do our final clean phone ad, although it's actually for masks being sold by the clean phone people. Ooh, clean masks. Clean masks. Uh, if you want to read it, and then masks. we'll sign off. Would love to. Yeah, All right, guys, here you go. So look, uh, states, public health departments, and businesses are increasingly suggesting, if not requiring, the wearing of face masks, as they should, by the way, everybody. Wear your mask. It's a smart, practical thing to wear if you have a reason to leave your home. A mask is a responsible way to protect yourself, your family, and your community. Our friends at thecleanphone.com now have K9, KN, sorry, 95 masks. <laughs> K9 masks for your dog. You know, <laughs> dog masks. You, put on, you get to bark at people. Some, by the way, somebody on Twitter recommended I get one for Sasha, and I was like, I am not putting a mask. I mean, I feel like I feel cute gonna, for a second or two. But I'll but feel like an take. idiot, and also she'll get pissed. But yeah. So just so you know, guys, these KN95 masks yes. rated to filter 95% plus. Uh, out and are certified to FFP2 standards. I don't know what that means, but it sounds important. It's a thing. Go yeah. to cleanphone.com and order your 10-pack of KN95 masks today. Add the code SEXYLIBERAL to the drop-down box for free shipping. Getting face masks uh, enhances as many people as possible is important. I will add, when Austria started requiring masks, folks, their, their rate of uh, infection went down 90%. We've seen that in the States. Uh, large decline. So I'm hugely into this. And thank you, the clean mask, clean mask, clean phone guys for doing this. Get KN95 masks for you, your family, your neighbors, and friends. You go outside, you should wear a mask. Go to cleanphone.com. That's cleanphone.com and order your 10 pack of masks today. Free shipping. Remember the code sexy liberal. I will promise you guys I'm going to do that when this show is over because masks are necessary. They're helpful. They will stop this damn thing. And uh, that's all I got for you. That's all you got. Okay, folks, this was great. Uh, Cliff, hang on afterwards. We can scheme a bit. But, um, well, this was a long one, but that was good. So, it intended to be this long, but we had a great guest. We want to talk about Thank Two podcasts you. in two days. Look out. Oh, actually, because Cliff will be on vacation next week, so we don't know if we will or won't be podcasting next week. That's right. If, we, if we are, it's me. <laughs> That's right. You may get one from John alone next week. Well, you know so what, we'll though? Depending, sure. but depending what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I can find a guest. and Because it was kind of fun interviewing uh, the law professor yesterday from what Fordham. John alone, I mean, John alone is a host. I don't mean John, just John. He may get a guest for you. It could be just I'm me, just saying, but it's it's harder saying, to not have someone. Yeah. Yeah. 
coffee shop there where the Wi-Fi is great, where I've done these things in the past. But the problem is, is that it'll probably be closed, at least the indoors oh, part. Right. Because, right. So, so it's going to be hot. So everybody will be sitting outdoors with their coffee talking. It'd be impossible. Right. I need to podcast. You've got to let me in. Exactly. So I'm going to guess yeah. that there, I can't do it next week, but we'll give you a third yeah, one cool. either Thursday or Friday. And then John, hopefully you can yep. get you one next week. And you'll, so you'll be getting your regular podcast. Yep. 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 Okay, guys, we'll talk to you hopefully later in the week. We will talk to you later in the week for sure. Yep. Take care, All folks. Right. Bye. Bye.